inside the off stump. Oh, he's caught it! I don't believe it! Tom Kola Cadmore has caught the most magnificent catch at short third man. It's the end of Daniel Sams, and Somerset have won the Vitality Blast 2023. They've bowled Essex out for 131. Good evening, you're listening to Always Under the Bright Side of Life. This is the Somerset Cricket Podcast. My name's Ian Shepherd. Joining me this evening, I've got Steve Tancock and the voice of cricket on BBC Radio Somerset, Anthony Gibson. Always look on the bright side of life. Metro Bank One Day Cup superfan Dan Kingdom is delayed in transit, but will be joining us uh, very shortly. Uh, big news of the week then, guys, I suppose, is uh, George Bartlett announced as departing for Pastures New up at Wanted Road. Joining uh, another Somerset exile, Ollie Sale, uh, signed a three-year deal for Northants. What on earth do we make of that? Well, it wasn't a complete surprise, was it? No. Well, um, I know it wasn't, Gibbo, because I, t- I told you about three days before Somerset released it. <laughs> but, uh, I, well, I mean, it, it, it kind of wasn't, it kind of wasn't, because he was, he was the incumbent out of that trio mm, of... exactly. Goldsworthy, Banton, and himself. So that kind of led you to believe that he was, you know, earmarked for that particular slot for, you know, the foreseeable, maybe not the long term, but definitely the short and medium term. <coughs> I, I don't know. I mean, it was a three-year deal that that he got offered, so you'd have to suspect that that was the major pull factor. I, I, I don't know if it's been. And, and I think, I think playing white ball cricket as well. You know, mm. playing, playing in the blast and, and you know, playing all formats. I think that was probably a factor as well. Yeah, because... You'll, you'll have more opportunities at, at North Ants. You, you'll be a much, um, you know, bigger fish in a in a smaller pool. Up there. Mm-hmm. Less pressure. Yeah, it's and it's a good club. And, uh, yeah, oh, yeah. He's got, he's got a three-year contract. And I hope he does well. It's you know he, he hasn't he's you know when I was thinking Matt was it 2017 he made that hundred up a little yeah 2016 I think it was one at Trent Bridge a few of my friends went to see it and they were really impressed with yeah yeah with yeah, him, him and against Gloucester as well in in the Bob Willis Trophy year 2020 um a partnership was a partnership with Tom Abel we just looked a different class. Mm. But he, well, he he looked like he was playing on a different pitch to everybody else. That hundred against Gloucester, nobody else got any runs at all for Somerset on uh, in in that game. But you know they they've been the exceptions, unfortunately, rather than the rule. You know, and, and if you look at his career as a whole, which goes back as you know quite a few years now, he hasn't fulfilled his potential. And um, from that point of view, rather like with you know Jamie Overton, it's probably just as well from his point of view that he he moves on. And probably he'll do very well at, at North Ants in the same way that Jamie Overton has done very well at Surrey. But do we want George Bartlett to do well for North Ants at the expense for doing well for Somerset, if you see what I mean? Because obviously at Surrey, uh, as Mahmood, the bowling coach, got the best out of Jamie Overton, you know, made him into a, a different player, made him into an international player. We could we didn't seem to be manage to get that done down at Somerset. I know it's it all Barring a miracle, Northouts are going to be in Division Two next year. So I don't know how, you know, how much the selectors count Division Two runs. But would Bartlett possibly 
I don't know, could somebody get hold of Bartlett in the way that um, Shane Berger and, and Lachlan Stevens weren't able to? Because it's patently obvious mm. the faults in George Bartlett's game is that he just likes going for a wander early on in his innings until he settles himself down and he can, he can play some absolutely beautiful shots. Mm. My My question for you both is, seeing as he, and we've talked on the pod quite a lot this season about Banton or Goldsworthy coming into that position in the order, yet he's kept his place, which means that the coaches have backed him. And then there obviously for them wasn't any, well, it's one of the two things, isn't it? Either there wasn't any semblance of he's thinking of going and we're not going to renew his contract. Or on the other hand, it was, he is, a bit wavering so we've got to play him and give him a chance but uh, to be honest the shame now is you know I was doing the if looking at the team for Sunday and thinking well who are you going to put in that slot are you going to put give Banton a go are you going to give Abel a go are you going to drip, drop Lamanby down and get Omid to open but it seems like we spent two third well more than two thirds of the season was it 11 14ths of the season backing George and now he's going which seems a bit a bit off to me. There's something that's not quite right in my brain. Maybe I'm just being too maroon and black. Was his contract? Was his Somerset contract up at the end of this season? Yeah. Yes, so I he got a one so. year. Ex- yeah, he had a one year extension at the end of last season. And I, mm. I suppose my response to what your question, Steve, would be: I'm probably now in exactly the same position regarding George Bartlett than I was, uh, you know, on the. 31st of August 2023 and that he's a he's a marvellously talented guy with a huge potential ceiling but he's just too inconsistent and he just doesn't seem to have rid himself of these technical foibles mm. which is you know <laughs> the same place as we were, we were a year a year ago so I if we're in the same place I guess you know the the same the response from the club has to be the same that yeah we don't feel that we're in a position to offer you a longer-term deal. I mean, I, I assume he was offered a contract at the bare minimum. I wouldn't have thought he would be, you know, mm. taking his place in the championship side if we had a, an intention of releasing him. No. So you've got to September. assume it was another one-year role. One, maybe two. And, didn't want that. Mm. and, you know, I mean, much as, you know, much as the guys say that they love Somerset and that I, they... You know, I genuinely do believe that when you know when players like you know the George Bartley in the in the sort of statements they put out when they're leaving, say you know I'd, I love playing at Somerset and the fans are great and the support, but I genuinely believe that you know they are telling the truth when they say that, and you know they are not necessarily all mercenaries, but at the same time you have to say that you know it's it's his living, and if mm. another employer has offered him a, a three-year deal with the potential to play white ball cricket, I mean let's be fair, he's He's a million miles away from breaking into Somerset's T20 team. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's it's a pretty simple choice from from Bartlett's perspective, as far as I can see. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's from the player's point of view, it's the original no-brainer, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I don't think anybody's. You know, I, I don't. He won't. You know, same with pretty much everybody that leaves leaves Taunton. Really, you know, Don Best, Jamie Overton. I don't think anybody's left under a any players are really left under a cloud in recent years. So, 
I think any sporting club, it's very important that you allow players to leave in a good way. Because mm-hmm. when you're, you know, you're trying to encourage a young player to sign, I'm, I'm not, I've got, not got a name, but let's say there's some youngster at another county that we might be talking to for next season. They're going to be looking and thinking, Do you know what, if it doesn't work out for me, they've been really good about letting players move on. And I think that's an important thing as well. And, you know, I think it was ever thus with some. So I can't really remember many departures. Here's a quick question for you, Gibbo. You'll know this one. The last Somerset batsman to leave for Northamptonshire? It was Bartlett. No, oh, sorry, George before, Bartlett, oh, you muppet. I was going to oh, say, Roy, Roy Virgin. Well, the fact that you asked said, this has got to be before my time, I suspect. So you, you have the floor, Gibbo. Well, I, I don't know. Roy Virgin? He that's, came that's, the other way, didn't he? That's the name I had. Yeah, he left, didn't he? I thought he came from Northampton to Somerset. Uh, he went He went to Northampton. I remember it. I was in very early years yes, of my supporting, and he was... He was England's 12th man in 71, I think, in a test match and then left the year after that. He's president president of the Northamptonshire County Club now. Is he? Oh. Yeah. yeah. Well, and a, and according to Andrew Rad, a really nice guy. I, I, I've never mm-hmm. met him, but I, I watched quite a lot of him back in the late 60s. He was He was very close to opening yeah. for England for a couple of years, wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. Hey, um, ho. But it was, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was a bit of a shocker because, well, I'm not saying a shocker, but it, it was disappointing because you kind of felt like this was a, a sort of a breakthrough season for Jaws. He's got those hundreds against Middlesex, hundred against Knots. Um, yeah, but then if you look average. at the stats, he's still only averaging yeah. 30. So it's yes. as you said earlier, Steve, twas ever thus. It's mm. you know, a definition of insanity is keep doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And mm. you know, you can only give um players so many opportunities and yeah, it's it's a little bit sad, but hey oh, but uh, yeah, we do wish you uh, all the best about wanted road, George. Um Anything else to say on uh, on the George part that? Uh, no, I don't think this so. Week? Just um, I, you always go with your initial reaction, and I think mm-hmm. mine was sad but not surprised because I, yeah. I yeah. still held out the hope that he was going to fulfil the potential. But you know, you always had him as a Hildress uh, Hildress replacement, didn't you, Steve Longter? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I still think he was he has the technical capability to play like that and just be a, such a joy to watch because when he does he is going well he's an absolute joy to watch but yeah I suppose I suppose the question now is who's going to fill that slot for the rest of the season because I can't believe well wow. I don't do we know if he's going to Northampton for the end of the season or is he staying with us um he's joining them during the winter I think it's it. right uh, yeah but I would be I very think... surprised. If... Yes, so would I. Yeah. Mm. I'd be it's... very surprised if he's picked. It is. It it makes eternal. It really does make sense for him to go on loan now. I think because mm. you know, I mean, we have partially cleared that logjam of contracted batters that we've talked about with him, Lewis Gelsworthy, and Tom Banton all fighting for that one 
slot in the middle order. So it would. We are going to have but, to put either Goldsworthy, Banton, or indeed Lamanby into that number four slot. Yeah. So why delay the inevitable? And I think it would make sense for the player to go on loan to to his new club for the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. But of course, the curveball is because Umid had such a stellar one day cup. To you, you know, it's going to be a tough conversation to say to him, you're not going to open in the championship or back four in the championship even. You know, that's. Is this to Lamaby? Well, if it was me, yeah. I would give Umid the rest of the season opening and bat Lammers at four. Um, Anthony said he thinks he should mm-hmm. be opening consistently, both on the pod and in commentary. And you know, do we like the sound of a Dixon Umid opening partnership for the last three games, or does that not not fill either of you with any joy? I'm not, well, not got I mean, two smiley faces on the other end of this call. It doesn't fill me with confidence. Well, it's because about, about two it's minutes ago I said that we cleared this logjam of contracted middle-order batters. And I just put someone And, and yeah, you just shut and Andy Peters had this <laughs> Sorry. incredible one-day cup campaign, scoring, you know, was it 672 runs at 80-odd and 300s, 172 out against Derbyshire. Some absolutely incredible numbers. He has absolutely 100% uh, the right to to open yeah. or open the batting for Somerset on Sunday down at the Aegeus they've Bowl. To, they've got to play him on Sunday. They really yeah. have to. Else it just it just makes a mockery of the, yeah. the sort of the meritocratic sport. If if you don't reward players who who are scoring runs, I mean you know the season has not panned out ideally for Tom Lamaby in any way, shape or form. No. He's, Completely lost his form in the blast, which then meant he wasn't even barely considered for selection up in in the other competition. Um, and then circumstances, I think, contrived to just not let him be released for any of these um, Metro Bank One Day Cup games that he could have really done with a knock. And now he's, you know, coming up to the last three games of the season. Or by the it's not a particularly crucial. Three games, Somerset should be safe, but he's not probably not picked up a bat for the best part of six weeks. It would yeah. be a big call to play him on Sunday. It would be an even bigger call to open with him on Sunday, I think. Mm-hmm. I think he'd probably be better off going away, clearing his head, having a winter away somewhere, and then coming back fresh in the spring there and give give Goldsworthy or Banton or someone an opportunity in the, the Bartlett slot. Yeah, because yes. I mean, you know, if <clears throat> with his, I mean, he's, you know, his Aussie family connections, Lamanby, I'm sure he could find a club in about two minutes. Uh, mm. Sydney, I think, is um, his family are from. Um, so yeah, I mean, what do you put? Fair? I mean, uh, I, I think we're all fairly certain then that we are opening with Umid and Dixon, Abel at three, question mark still at four, TKC Rue. Um, Gregory, Overton, Wagner, Bashir, and then Aldridge slash Davy. What about Roloff? Mm-hmm. He's in the he's in the um, he's in the CPL. Oh, is he? Yeah, um, I'm not sure if that's finished or not. But uh, yeah, we did we did discuss this last week, didn't we? If it's a typical GS bowl pitch, you may need two spinners, which 
Don Best might be on his way down from Harrogate. Oh, yeah, we'll probably get Don, yeah, we'll get Don or, Best back. Or you know, Vic Marks might come out of retirement. You know, who knows what's going on with the, with things at the moment. I mean, I suppose he is our only other... It would be Goldsworthy, wouldn't it? I suppose he's yes. really our I've, only I've other... I've got Goldsworthy in on the basis that he'll be the uh, the only spin bowler. He's the only spin okay. bowler. I, I, I'm not going to play um, Bashir. Against against Hampshire, um, you're not. Right. No, I think well, well, we've got you know we've got Overton, um, Davy, Wagner, Gregory, Aldridge. We've got enough bowlers. I don't think you know Goldsworthy isn't going to take many wickets, and Roller Fadiman. Well, I mean, he, I, he is Trevor still yet Shea. to take his. He is still yet to take his maiden. Oh, Dan's arrived. Hi Dan. Hi guys. Sorry I'm late. Trains. Dan looks stuff. like he's done a 5k to get to his uh, computer. <laughs> Pretty much. How was it? How was it in the radio Midlands, Dan? Obviously it's rainy. Uh, was it so, a bit? Yeah. <laughs> um, so we've um, we have discussed the George Bartlett uh, departure at, at reasonable length, yeah, yeah. and we're now just about on to. Uh, um, are you, are you playing him at, at Hampshire on on Sunday, or are you going uh, going against the grain? Sorry. Are you? Are you does he make your eleven for Sunday? Oh, Bartlett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I personally, I would leave him out and play Goldsworthy. I think. Um, I would also bring in a Mead for Lamanby. Um, yeah, I think Goldsworthy's the one who's. I know we'd all love to see Banton play as well, but I think. Goldsworthy was really good last year. Once he came back into the side, you know, the, the runs he scored, they were so valuable. Uh, you know, it's mad to me that he's not played at all this season. So he'd be the first and, man uh, you know, to come in for me. Uh, one thing we haven't said yet is he did have a pretty decent one-day cup as well, Lewis Goldsworthy. Mm. I think he averaged exactly mm-hmm. 50. Yeah, he was sort of solid, wasn't he? He didn't sort of go on to make any big scores, um, from what I remember. Um, but yeah, he, he sort of scored a decent number of runs each time. Um, yeah, he's just in his place. He must be so annoyed at the moment, all season. I know he has had injuries, but that's not been the only reason he's not been playing. He's just been left yeah. out of the team. And obviously, Curler Cadmore and Dixon coming in is obviously what sort of squeezed him out. And then obviously Bartlett got the first game and sort of did did well enough to sort of stay in the team. Um, but yeah, I, I'd get him back in because he was so good last year. It was a real breakthrough for him. And I think his progress has been stunted a bit this year, sadly. Um, yeah, so it's not like he's. It's not like he's an unknown quantity that we're, you know, he's just graduated out of the academy that we're discussing mm. bringing in. He's, I wouldn't say he's quite a proven championship performer, but he's a a, a solid guy. You know what you're going to get with him. If he uh, does come back in, what's the spread on re- on the word Campbell and being used over the four days though? or Cornwall or something? Well, it'll 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 depend. It's got how, to get. Anthony's got his quota to make up for the season, so he's going to well, use. Yeah, I'll go say it depends on how where there's a lull in play when when uh, Gibbo and Kevin James start discussing the uh, the birthplaces of their respective elevens. Mm. And Gibbo <laughs> says, "Oh, we're all born in Somerset," and then Kevin James says, "Oh, what about Lewis Goldsworthy? He was born in Camborne." Yeah, well, there are fewer and fewer actually of our lot born in Somerset, <laughs> and there are probably more Hampshire players now born in Hampshire than there are Somerset ones born in Somerset. Oh, you can't have that. Well, uh, well, I'm afraid that's the way it's going. 
Well, I think we yeah. can claim the West Country. Anything south, anything southwest of Bristol, we kind of claim as Somerset. <laughs> yeah, and the and the left and the and the western half of Dorset as well. Uh, three, four. Uh, yeah. This case, my only question is, okay, so is Lewis. Sorry, Gibbo, is Lewis Gregory fit? Do we know? Because that's always a question mark, isn't it? Having well, not watched the other competition, I don't know how far the yellow and orange got whether he played in all the games and did he bowl or maybe he did bowled a bit yeah uh he didn't bowl too much he seems to be fit captain them very well as from what i can gather as as you as ever got a few runs but none of our lot really got any runs at all ray got a bit of a hamstring tweak but now he's okay he seems to be all right is aldridge going to be fit You'd hope so because he deserves his place on performances he put in in July. Really, not really heard anything to contrary. I'd assume the nature of his injury. What was it he had? Is it a side strain? Side strain. Yeah. Yeah. So he missed. He missed the whole of the One Day Cup. So that may be time to heal by now. But he'd be in my yeah, he was in the squad once or twice in the One Day Cup. He seemed very close to selection, just never quite got there. Obviously, Josh Davey just about did in the last game, so we know he's fit now. It might Josh come down Davey, to being. I thought Josh Davey 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 Davey. well at mm. Yeah, I've got Umi, um, Dixon, Abel, Goldsworthy, TKC, Rue, Gregory, and then Aldridge if he's fit, and Ben Green if he's not fit. Okay, Davey Green. So you're going Ben Green instead of Shah Bashir? No, he said he said Green if Aldridge wasn't fit. You need to you need to pack your batting as as much as possible, and and you know that that means we're batting down to number ten with uh, Josh Davey, and I think that's you know, mm-hmm. against that. Yeah, that's very we're sensible. Beat, we're not going to beat Hampshire down at the Aegeus Bowl, but but we we really you know we don't want to lose. How do you know, Gibbo? We How were going to get, we want, we we were get, a few get stuffed points. against Hampshire the week before the, the last uh, finals day when we rested half the team and it was doom and gloom. Oh, we're going to get stuffed and we nearly beat them. So, you know, you never know. You Hope springs eternal. Did you include Neil Wagner, Anthony? Yeah, I did. He's, yeah. A, he's at oh, number okay. 11. Ah, OK. So was it was it Wagner, Overton, Gregory, Aldridge, Bashir is the bottom yeah. time? No, not for sure. Goldsworthy to bowl some left arm spin if we if we're desperate. Ah, okay. And then Gregory Aldridge or Green, Overton, Davy and Wagner. Right. So, so, so basically yeah. five. Mm. Gibbo's frozen. Yeah, I. I mean, you've got to have a look at the pitch. Sunday morning, but I think it's going to be highly unlikely that you're not going to need a spinner at the Aegeus Bowl. Mm. And as decent a bowler as he is, Lewis, let's not forget that Lewis goes with he is still yet to take a championship wicket. Mm. But, so, um, but Bashir hasn't exactly been setting the world on fire. No, but he's, uh, I mean, I suppose you could say, I mean, it was a bit like when England did want to play Jack Leach last year because they, or, you know, two years ago when they felt that they're. Seam attack was was a far better way to go. So perhaps I don't think, I don't think they will. I think they will. I think they will play Bashir. 
Mm. So who are you going to drop then? Which of the seamers are you going to drop? Um, so I've got Gregory Overton, Aldridge or Davy. Oh, I, could, I could I could flip a coin. I think Davies would be more suited to bowling at the GS Bowl, but I worry about him. If Aldridge is fit, it, it, one, he's only played the one one day cup game. Yeah, so it would be he's ideal seen. if there was a, a second eleven game this week, just yeah. for him to have a run out at least in mm. one innings, maybe two, but probably just one. Well, if Davies fit, he's a much better bowler than Casey Aldridge. Yeah, yeah. correct. Right. Does, you know, and Aldridge is a better batsman than than Josh Davy. Although Josh Davy mm-hmm. is a very capable batsman, whose main problem is shot selection. Mm-hmm. So we've all we're all yeah. of a mind that it's Goldsworthy over Banton, yeah. Reluctantly, yeah. I think so. Yeah, I mean, if it was me, I'd play Banton, but I'm, I'm, it's not me. It's it's Jason Kerr, and he won't play Banton, he'll play goals with it. Or possibly Lannanby. Bowlers have scored runs in the One Day Cup, so... It is what it is. I'm, I'm on the Sam picking... Miguel list now, by the way. Um, <laughs> did go looking for some decent cider... Round the old Super Mercados this morning. Uh, they had Magnus and Strongbow, which is pretty disappointing. We are. I think I have seen patches abroad. I think I saw it in Malta. Why don't you go? Why don't you go down to the old cider house and, and get a takeaway? The old cider bar. What? Newton Abbott's Newton Abbott's most famous hostel. Yeah, but I've been, I've been Lanzarote, Anthony. Can you not tell? Oh, sorry. <laughs> it's a fucking palm tree over my left shoulder. Where do you think I was? <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Oh, dear. Well, that's climate change for you. I thought, you know, oh, yeah. it's come to Newton Abbott. What's yeah. really scary is in, if Ian's at home, the block of flats that he now lives in, everyone's I got know. the same colour towel. Yes. <laughs> I must warn you now that mini disco is going on. I think the mini disco starts in three minutes, so uh, that's just over the over the way behind me. Um, what's the two? Uh, yeah, yeah, Magnus and Strongbow, which is a pretty poor, uh, pretty poor effort for the uh, the Lanzarote and side is good as this. I'm on the San Miguel. Um, have we decided who we go for? Bash- yeah, I'm. Aldridge, I Davey. think we split because I'm I'm going to go yeah. Bashir and not pick Davy because I'm I'm worried about Josh's fitness. But I, I totally take the point of Davy's yeah. fitness. I'm I'm, I'm generally always going to base mine on if a player being a hundred percent if they're available and a hundred percent fit. I mean I know it would have been nice if he if he had had a game this week, but you know he Davy's not injured so. Therefore, he plays with me. I mean, you know, he's 31, 32, so it's not like he's, you know, a rookie that needs, you know, two or three games to get himself back in the back in the rhythm. He should be ready to go bang and off. He bowled very well at Derby. Mm-hmm. He didn't bowl very many overs at Derby, but what no. he did bowl, he looked he looked sharp. He looked miles the best bowler on display in in, uh, in that game. 
four um, for Somerset. They had a young quickie who was only 16 years old, who looked very, very promising. Harry Moore, remember the name. Maybe we could swap, do a swap deal for Bartlett. You never know. Maybe that's going to be announced. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the way. Um, just as you, as you dropped in late, Dad, what was your... Um, what was your first reaction when you heard that uh, confirmed via Somerset's social media and not from any other source? Oh, from uh, Bartlett, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, oh, my, <laughs> yeah, I wasn't too surprised. I mean, he has done well this season, you know, scored two centuries and he's obviously done well enough to, you know, to stay in the team. I think I was questioning his place, I think, uh, after Chelmsford-ish around that game but then I think in the following game he scored a century so yeah he's done reasonably well this year but it's just whether I think presumably length of contract was a factor we probably didn't want to give him a three-year contract obviously he wants more white ball opportunities as well and I mean it's the good thing is is that it does now sort of free up you know, there was a bit of a logjam of batters, wasn't there? With, with goals he was listening to us earlier, Shep. I was going to say, yeah, he wasn't on the bloody train at all. He was sat in the waiting room. Yeah. Oh, not great for the listeners, is it? Just repeating Great minds, Great minds, yeah. It's, but I, yeah, I, it's I, because we're all just very I suppose clever. it kind of goes to show that, you know, a lot of... Everyone's kind of read this situation to... You know, it's there's not really much nuance to it. It's... George Bartlett hasn't quite performed as well as he could, and we weren't prepared to give him a long-term deal in a club in it, which is, you know, barring a miracle, going to be in a lower division. Is once delivered, move on. Another departure from the Cooper Associates County Ground this uh, week was uh, announced today. Is uh, Gordon Hollins is going to be uh, off to or pastures new? Well, he's certainly going to be standing down. Uh, from his position as chief exec in uh, March next year, I think. That's Anthony's cuckoo clock signalling that it is eight o'clock or thereabouts. <laughs> Very melodic uh, clock you got Which there is. in your uh, in your study yeah. there, Gibber. Uh, yes, Gordon Hollins is going to be uh, moving back up north, uh, up to York, I believe. Um, uh, spending more time with his family after being in post for, I suppose it'll be four, four years because he was uh, dropped in uh, in somewhat uh, difficult circumstances. I think he had about two weeks at the county ground and then it was uh, it was lockdown. Hmm. Not a particularly uh, uh, easy easy start for Gordon, but uh, I suppose uh, I suppose you'd be glad to see the back of him, uh, Gibbo, because he's never quite got your commentary position sorted. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's he's a, he's a de- decent bloke. I think he's done a, done mm-hmm. a good job, you know, apart from yeah. the commentary position. But you know, for the for the rest of it, I think he's done a he's been a much better chief executive than the previous one. Let's put it that way. He was at uh, Andrew Cornish, wasn't it? Yeah. Oh yeah. I had, a, I had a room about how he got sacked, which I'll tell you when we stop recording. Um, yeah, I think, um, yeah, I've always, always struck me as kind of a very sort of pragmatic fella. Um, never got too up with the highs, never got too down with the lows. I think, you know, he's always got out of his way to do the uh, sort of the members' Q's and A's on, the, on teams and that during the, the pandemic. And, and such like so 
yeah. I think he'd be a hard act to follow, actually. Uh, you know, hmm. I think he's he's one of the one of the one of the sort of top ten percent of of county CEOs. He'll be he'll, he'll be difficult to replace. Him. I think um, yeah. another thing of him is he was uh, he obviously came from the ECB and I think his one of his sort of um, positive characteristics was that he um, was very level headed in dealing with the ECB. He didn't sort of, you know, I mean, it, I, other CEOs. Have he wasn't kind of awestruck by the Lords. He didn't yeah. rush off and write letters and emails to them at every opportunity is what Dan's <laughs> trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be interesting to see if we get to see the new CEO, if there's someone who actually sort of maybe criticises the ECB a bit more. You know, I think with the sort of the review last year, Hollins was very sort of like pragmatic about it, whereas some of like some counties like Leicestershire, I remember, were it quite was, critical yeah, of some of the was, recommendations and said, no, we're going to resist it, this. Whereas Hollins was more like we'd rather sort of not like just take you know accept them without thinking about it but he said like look at the whole package didn't he said if you if you yeah. get a reduction in championship games but that means you get an extra i don't know for, for argument's sake six blast games which is going to be you know probably an extra million quid in revenue to the club mm. is that better you have to you know look at it looking at it all in the round rather than just you know members said oh we we love our championship cricket, which we all do we all do love our championship cricket but I think the next time the president's on the podcast, everyone who listens needs to just write the question, who's going to be the next chief executive? And that should just be like a, a barrage <laughs> and see, see if he knows the answer. I know they said they've gone out to some well, executive search, sporting executive search organisation. I don't so. know. I'm just, I'm just trying to look it up on my phone now. Well, let's, lest we forget that our president is currently a chief executive of a very mm. major yeah. national body. You heard it. One, here of, one, first, of, one of one of our number has been a, a chief executive of a very prominent rural organisation. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Too old. <laughs> we have the young, young dynamic Mr. Kingdom sat down there. Steve, you've got the financial experience. And yeah. me, I can well, talk, talk, shit with, I talk shit with the best of them. So. Yeah, I think between us, between the five of us, we could probably take it on. So let's do it. CEO by committee. Yeah, so you, <laughs> give up, let's face it, it's probably the only way you're going to get your commentary box back is to actually <laughs> run Somerset County Cricket Club. So first day in the job, I could just see you flinging Ben down the stairs of the, of the press box and just taking up squatters' rights in the, in the commentary box. Yeah. Oh dear, you can tell I'm all inclusive. I'm talking a phenomenal if, if Spencer's, amount. If Spencer's listening to this, probably every name that we've just mentioned, he'll apart from Mr. Wanless, he'll be going, Oh no, 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 not possibly. No, please. I'll here. tell you what, you'll get Spencer's support by offering to put a stand of stair lift in at the moment, because I think he's uh, dislo- he's dislocated his ankle as poor Spencer. So uh, if anything no. you can do to uh, get him up to his uh, his seat in the press box without having to negotiate stairs will uh, uh, no, that'd be uh, uh, music to Spencer's ears. Right, listeners' questions then. Should we move on to those unless we've got uh, mm-hmm. anything else to talk about cricket related? It's been much this week. <laughs> been uh, much cricket this week. No, it's been plenty going on. Um, 
Liam Dawson oh, is in I... useful form. Yeah, Liam Dawson. <laughs> Seven for well, fifteen, yeah. wasn't it? Dan? That's weird. Why was he not in the yeah. other competition then? Because he's an international he was, player. Point, he was. Oh, he was. Oh, and then he came he back was. to play in the semi-final. He released. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. If, if for the um, knockouts, um, I think there was kind of a gentleman's agreement between the counties that. If if teams had injuries, they could bring in guys from the hundred. So Luke Wells came in for Lancashire, Sam Hayne came in for Warwickshire, yeah, Dawson came in for Hampshire, and I think one or two others did as well. Mason Crane did as well. So there was a few few players to come in. Um, mm. But yeah, it's a bit weird how it's not sort of formalised that, that kind of thing. I don't know. So, I just wait for the year when one team literally, you know, let's call them maybe Surrey, when someone. <laughs> brings in all 11 play 11 players in the 100 for the knockout stages you know have, and just don't use any of the players that got them there so yeah it'd be interesting to see if if that can happen in the future but if we're kind of they're kind of relying on the good well, this is the, the moment, this is the thing with gentlemen's agreements they i think you, i think you said it yourself on on twitter that you need to close the loopholes before they're exploited i mean going back years to yeah. the you know to the briar rose declaration against worcester you know, and, and, you know, the Steve War doing a similar thing in the World Cup 99, um, scoring slowly against the West Indies so that they would qualify at New Zealand's expense. Yeah. Just need to, they just need to close these loopholes straight away and say that unless you have played, I don't know, let's say two one-day cup games, mm. you aren't eligible to play in the knockout games. Move on. There you go. Took me two, two, two seconds to come up with that rule. It's not difficult. Right, listeners' questions. Oh no! Congratulations, obviously, to the to the Yeovil Invincibles for their victory in the other competition. I can imagine you know, after their three-year Did you say tro- Yeovil Invincibles. The Yeovil Invincibles. That's what they're called. That's what they're called, isn't it? The Yeovil Invincibles. But you know, well, I mean, after well, after as we're their, into the foot as we're into the football uh, season, I don't think you can put Yeovil and Invincibles in the same <laughs> sentence anymore. So, but Steve, after their three-year trophy drought, can you imagine? how you know just happy their fans are three mm. long years they have had to wait for a trophy mm. and now they've mm. finally got one and you know I can just a, men, a men's trophy a men's trophy the women were oh, right. the first year yeah oh that was right a men's trophy can you just no, imagine the agony the agony that them yeovil invincibles fans have been putting themselves through wait for their men to win a trophy you know, I mean, I can imagine the Yeovil Invincible equivalent of Dan sat there at Lords, switching away during their finals mm. day. I mean, you know, it was, I mean, the joy and passion um, shown by us up at Edgbaston, it must have paled, paled in insignificance <laughs> <laughs> to what was going on at Lords last Sunday. Radio then. Listeners' questions. Uh, okay. The Railway Walker says, with Bartlett leaving, is it time to play Goldsworthy and or Banton in the last three matches ahead of him? With George getting a three-year deal, this determined future contracts for young players who want need certainty over their career. So the second part of that question we haven't addressed is do we need to possibly factor in what he said there is you aren't going to keep these young players unless you give them a longer-term contract. I I agree, but I think the thing with George Bartlett is he can't any longer be classed as a young player. You know, he's probably into his sixth or seventh season with Somerset now. Yeah. So you know, that's that's not that's not a Goldsworthy or 
a James Rue or a Casey Aldridge or any in that grouping, is he? He's the next next age grouping up. So I think, uh, yeah, you you clearly you've got to look at it both financially and on the field and say you want to keep your best players and you've got to go with what the market's going. But Dan would be much better placed to sort of probably know what I would guess three year contracts are the norm. I'd imagine yeah. so. Uh, right. Jacob Lund is, uh, he says that Umi thinks Umi should open and Lamaby Goldsworthy, and either Lamaby Goldsworthy or Banton to come in the middle order. Yep. Uh, Agreed. I disagree with that, Jacob. Mike Underwood has been cheeky and said, should Dan Keaton publish an autobiography and include <laughs> copies of all his emails? Well, I don't think you want all his emails, uh, Mike. No. I'd, I'd imagine no. there's some pretty <laughs> mundane run-of-the-mill emails in there dad it's like uh, could you ensure this report is sent over to me by five o'clock friday thanks i need to send no. it out to jim in hr or whatever but uh, or is dad, is dad messaging him what train are you getting to go to derby next week oh, or yeah. whatever there'll Sorry, be a lot I mean, of those. I mean, there was a, another email this week dan to the ecb regarding the absolutely farcical situation of september fixture scheduling again yeah uh I mean, yeah, the first thing was the the Monday Cup knockouts again being um, either side of Bank Holiday weekend for the second year in a row. And I know, yes, the Hampshire Worcestershire game did get moved, but that was only a one off. Um, which I yeah, I think it's ridiculous. I think Bank Holiday weekend being blank is just mad when there's just that obvious opportunity to play the semis on that day. And then yeah, this this weekend's match starting Sunday is odd when it could be Saturday. I know there are people who always say yeah, there are reasons like football and corporates, etc., 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 but. I don't know. I just think we've got to be playing as much county championship cricket on weekends as possible. And I think it just seems perverse to sort of waiting several days long, a day longer than we need to, to, to restart the season. And I think um, the following week could then be moved as well. The final point I, wanted, I made in that email was the last two rounds, they're currently running from Tuesday to Friday. Mm. They could run from Thursday to Sunday. Obviously, the issue is we're then going into October. The season would end on the 1st of October. I personally wouldn't have an issue with that. And I did do a poll on Twitter and 82% of voters said that they'd be fine with that. And obviously that's not representative of the whole cricketing public. But I just think people really do want a bit more weekend cricket. And it is putting people off, you know, getting memberships. And, you know, I see these sorts of frustrations a lot on social media. I think clubs need to be aware that we've got to be putting matches on as much as possible on weekends. And at the end of September start october what difference is a couple of days going to make in it's, terms of weather it, it can be horrendous early october can be absolutely fine you know it's been the same for the last three or four years though there is little to no weekend championship cricket in september when the, the corporate season has finished the corporate market the, the counties the counties like to have midweek cricket so that they can get the corporate boxes taken and all, all of that that's you know, it's all it's all down to money in the end. But they had that with the third. That's why I think the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday schedule. But is, corporates don't like weekends. Good. Corporates no, but you've got like your you've got your guaranteed, you know, Thursday, yeah, Friday, Thursday, corporate Friday, sales. Yeah. And you're not whether, you are not going to sell the fourth that that much corporate on the fourth day of a championship game, and potentially the third the third day as well. So it's it, it works out. It works out generally pretty good, I think, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And I think they should do whatever they can to try mm, yeah, and... Um, they should almost try and ring fence 
championship cricket Thursday to Sunday and fit everything in around that if they can. That would be my way of doing yeah, it. Yeah, it's it's almost possible to do that. I've tried I've tried to because I'm a massive nerd based on the. <laughs> international schedule and finals day now being announced i've tried to come up with a schedule for next season and it's near enough possible to have a, a weekend day or two in every championship game it's not possible to have them all thursday to sunday but you can get a weekend day or two in pretty much every championship game this year if you're clever with the scheduling i think so we'll have to wait and see but um one point i wanted to make as well is there are corpus on weekends i remember in the knox game day one it was just a sunday i looked i specifically looked and i could see that there were corpus in all the corporate areas of the ground so i don't know if that's a different thing or what but it does seem they do sell corporate stuff on sundays so i don't know um andy cleave is still worried from the oval uh, invincibles from the oval invincibles uh as headed into the final month of the season, will Lewis Gregory sign a new contract? Is he holding out for a white ball only deal? Brooks and Davis, I assume, are off, which leaves Umid. Um, yeah, we spoke last week about um, the Andy Umid situation. I mean, he could be potentially in a similar situation to Bartlett, where we offer him a one or two year deal and he gets a three year deal. Uh, somewhere else, we were assuming that you know if he gets offered a contract by us. He signs it, which is is obviously not the case. Um, and then yeah, but Lewis Gregory still not having, or at least it having not been announced that he signed a new contract. Yeah, I would imagine now that he's back from the other competition that it would be, you know, in his pigeonhole, ready to go. Well, you'd yeah. hope so. I well, think very much hope so. I think it's interesting to see if he's on Sunday. Yeah, uh, Brooks, and yeah, I mean, I, I, if if Steve Davis signs signs another contract, I'm going to streak naked across the county ground first game of next season because I don't think there's any any chance of that. I mean, Jack Brooks as well. Um, I think from you know, I heard him talk to a few people in the autographs after the last um, one day cup game. I think um, yeah, he's pretty much. Um, yeah, got to be uh, packing it in at the end of the season. Um, so yeah, and I think yeah, uh, that leaves what Andy Mead and Lewis Gregory, I think, just as the only two that would that haven't other futures uh, settled yet. Uh, Andy Cleave, uh, and again uh, a bit more about selection for Hampshire. And there was a good question about Anya Shrubsoul and whether. Oh, yes. Ah, yes. Well, didn't we talk about this last week? Because Kit Harris asked the same question and we kind of came up with a block of the Somerset stand and a a plaque in the in the Walk of Fame in the walkway Mm. um, underneath um, the Somerset stand. They need to update the Walk of Fame. That Triscothic needs to go in it now. Hildreth needs to go in it. There's there's not been any new ones for quite a while now. I think Langer and Mike Burns were the last ones to be added, sort of 2010, 11-ish. So, yeah, I need to get Anya in there, just Gothic in there, and Hildreth in there, and Trigo as well. Yeah. <laughs> and Bartlett, of course, now that he's he's gone. Mm. <laughs> and George Scott, while we're at it. <laughs> well, and, uh, and Daddy Lamb, too. Mm-hmm. Now, to be fair to Daddy Lamb, he, d- he, he did pretty well for us. He was, yeah. He, he was, did, uh... he, yeah. He tried his best. 
Yeah. And he was yeah, can, I, he, can I just say on that subject, I thought Dan's photo of Josh and his colour coordinated sweatband was absolutely brilliant. That was such a good spot. I love that with the yellow <laughs> wristband on the yellow arm <laughs> coordinating with the sleeve. That was very well spotted, Dan, I think. On the Mondrian kit. Yes, Dan, of course, uh, I, I did mention it uh, before you popped in, but you uh, you did the clean sweep of, uh, of Metro Bank One Day Cup games. I did, yeah. It was Something great. I planned, not I even always had Mr. Gibson mentioned. No, I didn't make it to Gosford. Yes, it was yeah, a convenient I, meeting you had that Friday morning, that, wasn't it, Anthony? A very important meeting <laughs> that I couldn't avoid. Oh, of course you did. Was it, make, yeah, it was a great day. Sake, make sure this meeting is on the Friday, the 11th of August. Mm. I do not want to have to go up to Durham. <laughs> I've got to go and have some supper. Yeah. So I'll see you all. Yeah. See you all next time. Always a pleasure. Take care, Anthony. See you next time. Same channels up to uh, to the Aegeus Bowl. Indeed. Yeah. So um, was that something you planned to do, or was it just uh, yeah, just kind um, of worked out that you think, oh well, I've done one, I might as well carry on, and before you know, you've done all eight. I always planned it. Yeah, when the fixtures came out, I, my plan every season is always to go to every weekend's day of championship cricket and then try and see as close to all of the white ball games as possible by taking annual leave etc so I, I missed three t20s um and but yeah i managed to see all of the uh uh one day cup games which is good i did i have to admit i did miss most of the first innings of somerset Glamorgan because of the women's world cup final so that's the one slight blot but mm-hmm. um no it was great i really enjoyed just you know going around the country watching us play and i knew obviously it would be a struggle for us at times and obviously it definitely was, uh, in particular, for a couple of the away trips. But, you know, there's two away wins in particular, Gosforth and Derby. You know, they were, you know, really dominant wins, weren't they? They were mm. you know, really enjoyable yeah. matches. So, yeah. Um, yeah, really enjoyed it. And, you know. It's a, it's a hell of a formula yeah. for 50-over cricket. Your opener scores 172, not out, isn't it? It really, <laughs> it really sort of helps the, uh, the equation. It, it, it helps but, yeah. a bit. Yeah. Well played, Dan, I say. Yeah. Well played, Dan. Just don't tell Don Toffee yes. because apparently, you know, you're not a real cricket fan, and you know, you're not, you're not young, and you're not, a, you're not the target market, Dan. I know. That's young to get into the hundreds. <laughs> I can't remember if I said this uh, when you speak about the Glamorgan game in the Women's World Cup. Um, I took my kids to the Glamorgan game, and um, I was sat. Um, it was when Andy Umid started pulling, actually, funnily enough. And um, uh, yeah, my, my my little lad Theo came up with quite a funny joke, actually, which I, I'm going to finish the podcast with. Is um, so we were talking about. I'll talk to my little girl later about how um, England were playing in the World Cup final. She said, "I thought Somerset won the World Cup," and she said, "I said no, 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 that, they won the T20." Uh, and my little lad Theo, bless me, said, "What's a T20? Is that when you drink 20 cups of tea?" Excellent. Yeah, great joke, Theo. Well done. Great. <laughs> so you, exactly. now you've got to exactly. explain to him the hundred is a bit harder by that token. Oh God, I'll leave that to Don Topley. He can babysit my cat. You know, would I want Don to be? Yeah, why not? <laughs> no, no, you don't want. Anyway, that. speaking of kids, they're in a bloody mini disco or somewhere that I need to go and. Uh, des- you are desperate to find to get them. To that mini disco, aren't you? You really are. Well, I've missed. I've missed the quiz. Apparently, there was a round on uh, Dutch left arm spinners and all rounders, uh, which I've missed. So, <sighs> hey, I played your joker as well. Put it definitely. Right. Cheers then, fellas. Right, Best of luck to Tom Abel and the boys uh, up at the Aegeus Bowl uh, over the weekend, and we will catch up with you next time. See you later. Cheers. Cheers.
Sarah. Bye.